stood in getting all this gear on before I started, and then I forgot to turn it on. So, <laughs> Thank you, Justin, for reminding me. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. So, um, as Brother Ian said, we're continuing a series of studies where we started back with immediately following the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the giving of the Great Commission and the carrying out of that Great Commission and we're going through those studies in the book of Acts. If you're joining us on Wednesday night to see how the gospel was carried to the world. Um, and we've talked about then those of us who have received the gospel, who have obeyed the gospel. And the impact that it has on our lives and the change that it makes in our lives or should make in our lives. And so how we go about living the Christian life. And we're continuing that this morning by talking about this parable that Jesus gave here in Matthew chapter 25. And thank you, Brother John, for reading that for us this morning. Um, to talk about investing, as I've titled it, our talents or how to be faithful servants in the kingdom. And we're going to jump right into this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. The first thing we notice is that this is a parable about the kingdom of God. And if you know the parables of Jesus, you know that most of them were about some aspect of God's kingdom. And we know that God's kingdom was that which was prophesied in the Old Testament. And we've gone through those studies back in Daniel and other places how God had said, I'm going to establish a kingdom that's never going to be destroyed. And when John the Baptist began to preach in the wilderness, he exclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That which has been promised is at hand. And that got people's attention because the children of Israel, the Jews, were looking for that kingdom that God had promised and for the Messiah who would rule over that kingdom. The only problem was they were looking for an earthly kingdom and an earthly king. And so as Jesus arrived and began to pre preach the same thing, they did not recognize him as the promised one, the Christ, the Messiah. But Jesus taught us that this kingdom was not an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. He said, the kingdom is in you. It is the rule of God in our hearts. And we know that following Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that he ascended to heaven, told them to his, his apostles to re remain in Jerusalem till they received power from on high. And we find that fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, when the kingdom comes, when the church, which, it is, which is the kingdom on earth, is established there in Acts chapter 2. And so we've studied about that. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is something, an aspect about the kingdom that we need to know who are the uh, the citizens of that kingdom and, he, and the parable talks about that the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country and we recognize this as as a description of jesus that jesus is the master he is the one who whose kingdom it is who who travels to a far country who is ascended to heaven who sits at the right hand of the, thr of the throne of god ruling over his kingdom and those in, who called his own servants. So who are the servants? That's us. That's me and you. That, that is the citizens of the kingdom of heaven from the time of Pentecost to this present day. And until Jesus returns, we are his servants. Do you see yourself this morning as a servant? Do you have the heart of a servant? You know, you look at the Apostle Paul and you look at the letters that he wrote. And in almost every one 
when he addresses himself, he describes himself as what? A servant of Jesus Christ. Paul had the heart of a servant. He saw himself as a servant, and we also are called to have the heart of a servant. Some uh, verses that are very familiar to us from Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So let's notice some things in this verse. Number one, it says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Have this mindset that Christ had, who made of himself no reputation or emptied himself, who was in the form of God but emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a bondservant or the form of a slave, that he humbled himself and became obedient to the Father even to the point of death and the death of the cross. So we're taught that we also need a change of mindset as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of God. And he tells us how to do this. Number one, that we do it through humility. We humble ourselves. We empty ourselves of, the, of selfish goals, of the things that we would, we would strive toward, toward for selfish gain. That being gratification and self-recognition or, or self-glory. Those things that the world would seek after that we empty ourselves of these things. We become humble. We recognize our station as a servant before God and we become obedient. That is, we are in complete submission. We submit our will to the will of Christ and we are, so we are in complete submission. We are a bondservant. We are a slave to him. The verses that just preceded that, those verses that we just read about having the mind of Christ are these. And Paul was using those verses to, to give Christ as an example of what we should do uh, as he describes in these verses. He says, fill ye my joy being like-minded, talking to you and I, that you and I are to be like-minded. We're to have the same mind. What is that mind? The mind of Christ, the heart of a servant, that we are governed by the, by the, the word of God, that we are obedient and ruled by the rule of God in our hearts, that we have the same love, that we share the same love of Christ, that we be of one accord and of one mind because you and I have the same mission in this life and we have the same purpose in this life. We share in the mission of Christ to carry the gospel to the world and we share in God's purpose for each of us here and that is to glorify him in our, in our mind and in our spirit, in our body and in our spirit. He said, in lowliness of mind, esteem each other better than yourself. Now, that's kind of strange thing to say, that we esteem each other better than ourselves. Think of it in this way, that God has made each of us unique. And we're going to talk a lot about that this morning, that God has made each of us unique. And in the unique way that God has created, has made you, you have gifts and abilities that in certain ways make you better able to serve than anyone else. You have those unique qualities, and all of those are different for us, but in some ways, each of you are superior to me in what the way God has in the gifts that God has given you. The things that we're not to do, he also describes in this verse, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, not for our own gain, not for our own recognition, not here am I, look at me, look, what, look at these gifts God has given to me. That's not what it's about. It's not about me, it's about him, it's about Christ. 
And also it's about each other, that we look not only on our own interests, we're not selfish, but we, always, we make sure that everyone else is taken care of. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. He gave to them his possessions. He gave them, gave them the ability to manage his assets while he was traveling afar. And that's what God has given to us. He has entrusted us with certain things. For what purpose are we called and saved and made a part are sanctified, set apart, and made a part of the body of Christ. You say, well, so that we'll have eternal life, that we have salvation. That is true. That is true. But God has also called us to a task. God has called us to service. He has called us to labor in Christ and to fulfill his mission on this earth. We, as a part of the body of Christ, have a role in that. We have a part to play in carrying out that mission. We are called to preach the gospel to the lost, both individually and collectively, to carry the gospel to the world. We have a part in doing that. We're called to feed and nourish the saved, the church, the body of Christ, so that that we can grow and become like Christ. We are to care for the broken and the wounded, that they may be restored. And we're to do good works, to do good unto all men, so that God will be glorified in our lives. Bottom line We are called to serve. We are servants. We are to have the heart of a servant. God has given or entrusted each of us with gifts and abilities that are unique, that are to be used in his service to fulfill his mission. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this, For I say through the grace that is given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, same, same theme there, isn't it? But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. For we have many members in one body. Physically, we have many members in our body, but they all do not all serve the same function. And so we being many are one body in Christ. We as the body of Christ and individually members of another. We are called to serve together. And again, notice the theme it's not for ourselves, it's not for vainglory. Don't think of yourself as more important than anybody else because every one of us is unique. And every, every responsibility that we have is important to the functioning of the body of Christ. And so he gave to one five talents and another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So in the parable, the master gave to each of them talents. To one he gave five, to another one two, another one. Talents was a measurement of money, okay? Uh, Not going through any long calculations, but if you put that in modern terms, a talent was approximately $700,000 as I understand it. So we would say that's a large sum of money. So the guy who got five, he he had about 3.5 million. Uh, The one who had two, about 1.4. And the one who who received one talent, 700,000, and they were given the responsibility to manage those assets, to manage that money. How does that look to us? How does that look to us spiritually? What has God entrusted us with? Again, God has made each one of us unique, uh, with unique abilities, unique gifts. And notice that the gifts and the abilities went together, that whatever the gifts were, whatever they were entrusted with, they were given according to their ability to manage those things. Whatever God has entrusted you with in the gifts that he has given you, he has also given with it 
the ability, you have the ability to use those things in God's kingdom. <clears throat> what has God entrusted you with? Think about that as we go through uh, this lesson. Jumping back again to Romans chapter 12. We're, but all members do not have the same function. Again, each of us are unique. We have a unique role to play in the kingdom. We're not all called to do the same things. If you carry on in the next verse, Romans 12 verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. This is the key to the whole thing right here. <clears throat> Number one, God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. But with those things, he has given you and me the responsibility to use them. Use them. <clears throat> he goes on. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Now this, I don't think this is designed as an all-inclusive list of the gifts that God has given us. But we see in this list probably certainly all some things that each of us are capable of doing and we're going to talk about these things for just a few minutes number one he talks about if we have the gift of prophecy and when we think about prophecy we think about foretelling the future God giving us some message that that gives details about the future but in a broader sense prophecy simply means declaring the word of God declaring the will of God and so if we have the ability to proclaim God's word, then we have a responsibility to declare God's word. Now, that's not something that God magically puts in our head. To, to carry out, to use that gift, it takes preparation, right? It takes study. It takes learning. It takes learning and begin gaining knowledge of God's will and of his wisdom so that we are able to go out and to teach others, to pro proclaim God's word. And he says, you do this in proportion to your faith. You do it in the fullness of faith. Fullness of faith that what you're proclaiming is God's will, and you do it to the best of the abilities that God has given you. Ministry. You think about that word ministry, a lot of times we correlate that with someone who's a preacher, but in actuality, it doesn't, that's not what it's about. It's about serving. Ministry is about serving. It's about serving others in any capacity. There's a lot of different ways that we can minister and you have if you have the ability to help others or to serve others we have a responsibility to that it's serving it's assisting it's helping those who have a need physical or spiritual and we all there are ways that all of us can use the abilities that God has given us to help or assist someone else if teaching teaching like uh, prophecy requires it requires preparation, doesn't it? It requires study ourselves to learn, to gain knowledge of God's word, to be able to help instruct others so that they have a better knowledge and a better understanding. If you have the ability to teach, you have a responsibility to prepare yourself to know God's will, to know God's word, and to use that gift and that ability to teach others. Exhortation, encouragement. We want to encourage others. We need those who encourage us. We need those who cheer us up, who cheer us along, who praise the good effort, who tell us, exhort us to keep going, to keep up, to keep going. Like the Apostle Paul says, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. We need people to tell us that. 
There are times that we're all down. There are times that we all need a word of encouragement. And when someone provides that to us, it changes our perspective. It renews our hope and our courage. We need people in the, in the church, in the body of Christ, who are encouragers. And if you have that ability, you have a responsibility to do that. He who gives, do it with liberality. You know, when you think about giving, a lot of times our mind goes to giving money, but there's a lot more to giving than giving money. There's giving of our time. There's giving of our effort. There's the use of our resources, and there is the giving of our money. But in all of those ways, and in some of those ways, we have the ability, and as a, a part of the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to give what we're able in service and in other ways to promote the kingdom of God, to carry out his mission. He who leads, do it with diligence. If you have the ability to lead, you also have a responsibility to use that in God's kingdom, understanding that to be a leader, you must first be a follower of Christ. So having the ability to lead and being a diligent follower of Christ, understanding his will, we will be leaders by example. Leaders by example, and if we are leaders by example and we find opportunities to lead in the church, if we have opportunities to lead in our families, in our schools, in our jobs, in whatever capacity that we do that to the glory of God, to the furtherance of his kingdom. And he who shows mercy. You know, when I read about showing mercy, my mind immediately goes to another parable that Jesus taught. And maybe yours does too. And you probably know the one I'm talking about. <clears throat> that there was a certain lawyer who stood up and he tested Jesus and he said, Master, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, What do you read in the law? And he said that you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, Well said. Do this and you will live. But the the lawyer willing to justify himself said, but who is my neighbor? And in answer to that question, Jesus gave this parable. He said there was a certain man who traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as he, as he was traveling, he fell among thieves, and they robbed him, and they beat him, and they left him for dead in the ditch. Along that way came a priest, and as, he, as the priest came along, he saw the man lying there in need, and he passed by on the other side. He didn't want to get involved. Along came a Levite, one who served in the temple. He also comes along and he sees the man hurt and in need of help. And rather than stopping to help, he passes by on the other side. And he says, but then a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. <clears throat> Notice all of the action words in describing the Samaritan. He had compassion. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him, gave money to the innkeeper. When you look at the ways that we can give and that we can assist, there's a lot of different ways right there that Jesus gave us in this example. But in terms of showing mercy, I'm, I'm always caught by the next verse. 
So which of these three, Jesus questioning the lawyer, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. How do we show mercy? We show mercy to the, to the downtrodden, to the outcast, to those who are, who are beaten and robbed and wounded. You know, some, someone quoted one time that Christianity is the only religion that shoots its own wounded, that kills its own wounded. Hopefully that's not true. Hopefully that's not true of us, that when someone is overtaken in sin or overtaken in a fault, that we don't do our part to condemn them, but rather we look for a way to restore them, to encourage them, to bring them back, to leave the 90 and 9 and go find the one who was astray. Have mercy. We can all show mercy. <clears throat> then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he had received two, gained more also. He went and traded with them. What does that mean? So he was given this money, and he went to the market. And he bought and sold, and he turned that money that he had get, been given, he, he doubled that money. You know, we, there's a lot of ways you could think we could do that today. We could invest in businesses. We could start our own business. We could use that to, to multiply, multiply the, uh, that money, or we could put it in the, in the stock market, perhaps. We could make wise investments to, to get a return on, on uh, what had been given to us. And that, in some way, whatever way it was, this man took the money and he, he applied it. He put it to work, and, he, and that money gained more money. And so did the one who had gained two. So how does that look in the spiritual? How does that look to us in the kingdom of God? What has God entrusted us with? Again, he's entrusted us with what? Certain gifts and abilities. So what happens when we apply those gifts and abilities? We gain more. We gain more. The more we use what God has given us, the more we have. The more ability we have to be of service to God. The more ability we have to help others. The more ability we have to have an impact in this world and to further the mission of Christ in this world. And one more thing. <laughs> As a servant, never believe yourself to be profitable. You say, why did you put that in there? I'll tell you. And the caption at the top that says, investing our talents. When I first put this together, at the top it said, how to be profitable servants. And then I remembered this verse. Jesus said in another parable, So likewise, when you have done all the things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. And you say, well, that's, that's, that's kind of negative. No, it's really not. It's really for our benefit. It's for our good. Why is that? Because as we go about using the gifts that God has given us, there's always the chance that we're going to start getting the big head, <laughs> that we're going to start thinking that we're really doing a good job of using what God has given us instead of, again, realizing that we are simply servants, that we are simply recip the recipients of God's blessings, that whatever we have to use, he has given to us with the ability to use it. And so we have, therefore, no place to boast. And beyond that, do you think we will ever get to the point that we can say, we have done everything that you have commanded us to do? <laughs> I think not. I think there will always be more that we can do. I hope you feel like that. I feel like that. I always feel like I should be doing more. There's more for me to do. There's more that I can do. And that's a good thing. Never become complacent. Never think that we have 
arrived at a point where there is no more for us to do. And if we do feel like that, then Jesus said, you say to yourself, you're an unprofitable servant because you've only done that which was your duty to do. Remember that we are called to serve and apply our efforts to advance the cause of Christ's mission here on earth, to carry the gospel to the lost, to help feed and nourish the saved so that they can grow and become like Christ, to help care for the broken and the wounded so that they can be restored, to do good works, to do good to all men so that all, so that God will be glorified. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Whew. Previous were examples of what to do. This is the exact example of what we are not to do. We're not to hide whatever God has given us. We're not to put on the shelf what God has given to us. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. He may come back today. He may come back tomorrow. He may come back a thousand years from now. But the instructions for you and I are simply to what? To watch and to wait. To watch and to be prepared. To always be prepared for the time that the Lord will come because we don't know when that hour will be. And at any given time, let us be found using the things that God has given us in service in his kingdom. Because when he comes back, what's he going to do? He's bringing the ledger. <laughs> and our name's in that ledger. And he's going to say, I entrusted you with this. What have you gained with what I gave to you? Because that's what happens here in the parable, isn't it? So he had received the five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five talents more. This servant came with joy. He had a good report to give. He was excited to tell the Lord that he had used what he had given him and gained more. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful service. Servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I think it's important to notice here that he was praised for what? Not for how much he had gained, but for being faithful for with what he had been given, for using what he had been given. You know, I think it's, it's interesting, and we'll talk more about this later, that, that we are not, that God doesn't hold us responsible for the results. God holds us responsible for the effort. And in effort, this man had put forth the effort in using what God had given him. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord answered the same way. The praise was the same. The reward was the same. Even though what he had been given was different and what he had gained was different, <clears throat> the result was the same. Why? Because he had used what God had given him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Are there any sweeter words that we can imagine at the end of our lives when we stand before the Lord than to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want, what we strive for, what we long for? You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I know that you are a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. <clears throat> what does this man begin with? Not with, here's what, here's what I've done with what you gave me, but he starts pointing the finger at the Lord. 
He said, I knew you were unscrupulous. I knew that you were unreasonable. Is that true? Is that true of the Lord that we serve? Absolutely not. What does that tell us? He didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord's heart. He didn't know the Lord's mind. He did not know the Lord. You know, the Lord that we serve said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls us to what? To take on the yoke of service. But who is yoked right next to us? Jesus. Who helps us all the way along the way? Who is right there helping us in all that we do when we use what he has given us in his service? And it is the Lord. This man did not know the Lord. This man was pointing the finger. He was making excuses. And he said, And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is what was yours. So think about this scenario for a minute. Imagine back in 2016 that you received an inheritance, and that inheritance was $700,000. And you say, that would have been really cool. Uh, but say you, had, you received this $700,000, and you went down to the, your financial consultant, the investment broker, and you said, here, $700,000. I want you to invest this for me until I have a need for this money. And you go about your way. And in 2023, you decide you have something you want to do with that money. Now, you know when you invested that money that the Dow Jones Industrial Average, if you're familiar with the stock market, was at about 17000 In 2023, it is at almost 34000 So in your mind, you're thinking that money, that 700000 is going to be worth almost $1.4 million dollars. And so having something you want to do with that money, you go down to your financial consultant, your investment broker, and you say, hey, I've got something I want to do with my money. How has my money performed? And the guy kind of puts his head down and he shuffles his feet and he said, well, you know, he said the market's been pretty volatile all this time and I really didn't want to put your money at risk. And so I put it over here in this drawer and here's that 700000 here it's back, it's yours. Are you going to be happy? <laughs> or are you going to be incensed? Is there any way to describe how unhappy you're going to be with this person who you've entrusted with this money to invest it and to make it earn only what the market did as a whole would almost have doubled your money and this person has done nothing with it? <laughs> you and I were... We're not going to be happy. Do you think the master of this person is happy? No. What does he say? But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Isn't that what you'd want to say? You wicked and lazy person. I entrusted you with this. All you had to do was put it to work in the market. All you had to do was make some effort. And what did you do? You did nothing. You did nothing with what I gave you. He said, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where seed where I have not scattered. If, you, if this is the way you thought that I was, you should have put in more effort to make sure that you would give mine back to me with gain. He says, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, will, 
has, more will be given, and he who has will have abundance, but he from whom he who does not have even what he has will be taken away. If you went to that broker and he, t- he hands you that 700000 are you going to leave it with him? No. You're going to take it to someone who you know will wisely invest it. And that's the same thing the Lord's doing. This person knows how to be responsible and manage the things that they have been given. Give it to him so that I can have a return. <clears throat> what about the spiritual side? What about the spiritual side? <clears throat> what has God called us to do? Make the effort. Again, he is not holding us responsible for the results. He is res- holding us responsible for the effort to with joy take the things that he has given us and use them in his kingdom. I think about the words of the Apostle Paul who said, I planted, Apollos watered, but what? God gave the increase. The results of our efforts we leave to God we simply use what he has given us and to the best of our abilities we use them in his service and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth that's not a good sign that is not a pleasant thought or a pleasant sight and I don't even want to think about it I want to think about the things that you and I need to focus on number one that we rejoice that we are a part of God's kingdom. Number two, that we rejoice that we are given the opportunity to serve. Be thankful for the gifts and abilities that, that God has blessed and entrusted you with, and with joy, use them for his cause in his kingdom, that someday you and I may hear the words, well done, good and faithful ser- servant. Never knowing the minds Of those present, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to. You need to know the forgiveness of your sins. You need to know the warmth of your Father's love, the promises of eternity with Him, to know that He's going to be with you every step of the way. And if you've not done that and would like to do that this morning, let us assist you with it, with that, or if we can assist you with prayers, or in any way, let your wishes be known as we stand and sing.